There's a gap between the Old and the New Testament of about 400 years. Nothing really spoken during that time. You have the prophecies that had been given in that Old Testament concerning the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the King. We get to the New Testament, we have these gospel writers. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why did they write? Well, they wrote to, in order to introduce us to a person. If you go there to, the, to Matthew's gospel, you have a genealogy. Why does he start his gospel, this gospel concerning the Messiah? Why does he start it with a genealogy? Why not a, uh, why not a set of rules? Why not, uh, why not some do's and don'ts or a system of theology? Well, he wants to introduce us to a person. You go over here to Mark's gospel. And Mark's gospel, you don't have much of, a, of anything at all about the birth of Jesus. I wonder why is it that to find out about the birth of Christ... You really narrow down to two Gospels. You have Matthew and you have Luke. You go to Mark, there's nothing about that Gospel or that birth, the beginning of Jesus, his coming into the earth. Well, it's because Mark is focused on the Messiah as a servant. So when you read chapter 1... The servant is serving. He wastes no time getting to the service that the Messiah provided. You go to Luke. Luke's got quite a bit on even some preliminary things. The birth of John the Baptist. He's got Mary and Elizabeth's visit. They've got, he's got Mary's Magnificat, her worship of God. He's got the birth of Jesus beginning in, Beth, uh, in chapter 2, the Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. And then you get over to chapter 3 in Luke. It's interesting. He has a genealogy tucked away between uh, the baptism of Jesus and uh, the temptation of Christ. There's a genealogy in, in Luke's gospel. And then you get to John. <laughs> How does John describe the Messiah? Well, he's preexistent. He's eternal God. So John just says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. How would you write a, a genealogy for 
for an eternal God. So that's, that's John's account. They're all beautiful, and, and rather than thinking of these Gospels as contradictory, when we see them properly, we understand that they're complementary. Uh, so this morning, we, w- we just want to take uh, some time and look at the genealogies. We have, we have one in Matthew, we have one in Luke. And, uh, and to keep in mind that these writers, and specifically Matthew and Luke, are introducing us to a person. And they're giving evidence... For the Messiah's being the rightful heir to the throne of David. They're saying Jesus is the Messiah, yes. And he is the rightful heir to the throne of David. Matthew says that by exploring the paternal genealogy of Jesus. Through Joseph. Luke does it by exploring the maternal genealogy of Jesus through Mary. And it is interesting that while Luke gives us the maternal genealogy of Jesus through Mary, there's not one woman listed in that genealogy, including Mary. So we'll get to that, but let's let's look here. Uh, the importance of a genealogy, we're in Matthew 1, Matthew 1, verse 1, and we'll read through that. Uh, the importance of a genealogy is very important to those Jews back then. Uh, genealogy was uh, referred to, these were public records, by the way, and they were referred to uh, when it came time for taxes or to be taxed, uh, inheritance. Uh, If somebody claimed to be a king, they had to be a rightful heir to the throne of David. That means they had to be a descendant of David, of King David. We read his prayer a while ago from 1 Chronicles. Uh, So uh, if you wanted to be a priest, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. You You had to have that genealogical line back to Levi. To be a priest. So these genealogies are really, really important. And um, Matthew gives us a genealogy. And Luke gives us a genealogy of the Messiah. Um, In 70 AD, all those Jewish records, all those genealogies, they were destroyed when Jerusalem was sacked by the Romans. That was 70 A.D. Let's look here at Matthew's genealogy, and then we'll do some compare and contrast of Matthew and Luke. So we'll read it. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And already we've, we've read through something that's interesting, to say the least. Judah being 
the fourthborn of Jacob, not the first. You go on, and we've read some familiar names. Those are the easy ones. Then verse 3, Judah was the father of Perez and, and Zerah by Tamar. Now, there's, a, there's a, a woman right there. There's five ladies mentioned in Matthew's account of the genealogy of Jesus. Unheard of. You don't do that. Women are not mentioned typically in these genealogies, but we're going to have five in Matthew's genealogy. So there's the first one, Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of uh, Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Ammon, and Ammon the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers. Now we'll, we can stop there for just a minute. Now Jeconiah uh, was prophes- given a prophecy that none of his descendants would ever Inherit the throne of David. I think it's over in Jeremiah somewhere. So why is he in here? Or how could it be? Well, because of the virgin birth. That's how. We'll get to that in a moment. But there's Jeconiah right there uh, in the genealogy of Jesus and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud, and Abihud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud. And Eliud was the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob. Here we go. Jacob was a father of Joseph, listen to this, the husband of Mary, by whom, now that whom there is important, and it's feminine, by whom, no mistaking, by whom, by Mary, Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, uh, we... uh, 
we need your help today to understand uh, and receive the importance of the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, open our minds and hearts that we can grasp and then that we will return uh, that affection to you. Uh, because, Lord, we read these words and what you have done in Christ for your people just staggers the mind. It's overwhelming. The great gift of Jesus um, that you've brought us. So we thank you for your blessing and we ask, Lord, uh, that we would uh, benefit that we would be strengthened and grow through the reading of your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, interestingly enough, the, um, back in Genesis, I just want to set the context a little bit. And it's, it is a wide, seems to be a wide context here. But Genesis 5, you, you have this... Um, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. You get over here to Matthew, and we have the book or the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. So we're, we're pretty sure Matthew was well-versed with the, uh, the Old Testament. And what we have in Genesis 5, following this, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And he talks about all these that came and went. They lived and they died. That is Genesis 5. There it is. Uh, verse 4 of Genesis 5. Then the days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. And that's the theme of Genesis 5. In fact, it's the theme of the Old Testament. Living and dying. But when you get to Matthew, and he starts out with his genealogy, and he is introducing us to the Messiah, and he's giving evidence of the Messiah's legal, royal right to the throne, he is talking about how we can have life. Jesus being the second Adam. In the first Adam, all die. The wages of sin is death. We have separation from God because of our sin. But when we get to the New Testament, something different is happening. God has sent his son. And God is moving on these gospel writers to give evidence of the Messiah's lineage in this case. And so in Matthew, we have three sets of 14. I want you to look here. Verse 1, and we're in Matthew. I don't think we'll go back to the Old Testament again. So we'll just rest right here. But look at this. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. So those are expressive of the person that Matthew is introducing us to. Jesus came to bring life 
and he is bringing life, and his life is, and his lineage is expressive of his legal right to the throne through his earthly father, Joseph. That's all Joseph. Joseph is an earthly father. Now, how, how can we be so sure? This is what I find fascinating, both about Matthew and Luke. So in Matthew, think about the birth narratives in Matthew. You're going to find out more about Joseph in Matthew's gospel than anywhere else. In fact, if you look for uh, Joseph's, uh, what he contributes to the whole birth narrative, if you look in Luke, you're not going to find much. He's mentioned in passing. But when you read Matthew, Joseph is prominent. Well, it makes sense. Because Matthew is giving us the genealogy of Jesus back through his earthly father, Joseph. It's just, it's amazing. I would encourage you, we're not going to read the birth narrative uh, here in uh, Matthew today, but do that and you'll see, you know, we even have it recorded that there's a dream that Joseph receives because he doesn't know what to do with the situation. He's been betrothed to this, this, this woman, this Mary, and, and she's with child, and Joseph is betwixt and between. Talk about conflict, but God sends a messenger uh, uh, to speak to Joseph. He has a dream, I think that is, and and Joseph gets direction from the Lord. That's the important part. And you just see this. And Matthew is going back through Joseph, from Jesus, through Joseph, all the way back to David. Why would it be important that he's related to David? Because he is going to inherit David's throne. Listen, you couldn't just be a Jew and say, I am going to be, I'm the Messiah, and not be related to David. You had to be related to David. David uh, was given a promise by God. God said, you're going, to have a, you're going to have seed, you're going to have people, you're going to have a throne, and you're going to have king, a kingdom, and then you're going to rule forever and ever. One of your descendants, David, will have all of that. Jesus is that descendant. Notice this. So David is prominent here. Look, look in verse 17. You see David, I see David twice there. And then if you go back even farther to verse 6, you have David there. And then, well, you have David twice in verse 6. And then you go back to verse 1 and you have David again. David, King David, and he's, Matthew is establishing his regal right to the throne. Jesus' regal right to the throne. His royal right to the throne of David through Joseph. Now, there is, there is something very interesting here. Look in verse 6 where it says, David was the father, there it is, of Solomon. Hmm, so... Joseph's line goes back to David through Solomon. And that's his connection to the throne of David. You know what's interesting? While Jesus was on earth, you know, not everybody received him. 
But no one, his worst enemies, never challenged his descent from David. And that's all, all he would have had to do is gone to those public records and looked. And if he wasn't a descendant, it would have been all over. But you, you and I both know that he was a descendant of David. Now, they questioned his birth. They always made fun of his birth. But they never questioned his genealogy, his connection with David. And his connection with David is through, there it is, Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Interesting. So the theme in Matthew's gospel is what? The king. The king. Matthew 21, what does he say? He says, behold, your king is coming to you riding on a donkey. That's what it says. Uh, we have the king. What did uh, Pilate say when they were, they were wanting to write the crime that Jesus committed and place it on the cross over Jesus' head? And they're quibbling about that. And Pilate said, what, what I have written, I have written. Well, what did he write? He wrote, Jesus, king of the Jews. The theme in Matthew's gospel is that the Messiah is King Jesus. And in this genealogy, he takes us right back to David. But not only to King David. If you look in verse 1 there, he takes us also he takes us back to Abraham. Abraham. Now, this is the, this is the national, gives the, gives the Messiah a national connection. Because Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel. And this is mentioned in the first, very first verse. We have Jesus. By the way, what does Jesus mean? It means Yahweh saves. I mean, you really have the gospel in one word. Yahweh saves. So we have Jesus, the Messiah. That's the person Matthew wants to introduce us to. And then he says, the son of David, this Jesus, the Messiah, he is the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he is connected as king to King David. He's a descendant of David and he is a descendant of the father of the nation of Israel, which is Abraham. Who is Abraham? And then he goes all the way through and he shows these, these connections. Now, one, one more thing before we go and look at Luke's genealogy and just note some differences. Is that there are four women mentioned. Did you catch those? Tamar. Um, boy, oh boy, you talk about dubious uh, uh, character is Tamar. Rahab is called a harlot. Um, Bathsheba. And then Ruth. Well, who's Ruth? She's a... Well, She's a Moabite. You can read about their beginnings in Genesis. We're not going into all that just to say that you have four women. And it's not up there. Women are, are put in this genealogy 
But then the character of these four women right here in Matthew's genealogy. What is the point, Matthew, is what we would want to ask. And the point is this, that Matthew is, yes, he is writing, first of all, to the Jews. And he is saying, this is your king. Jesus is your king. And he has come, don't miss this, he has come to save the worst of sinners. That's what he has come to do. So we take great comfort in that. We've all sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. I think it's safe to say we're not as bad as sinners as we could be. I'll let you think about that. But enough to separate us from God from, for all eternity. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. And I have an idea that Matthew, knowing the uh, religious nature of these Jews that Jesus would be dealing with, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these chief priests and scribes, that Matthew puts these ladies in there. To make sure they know that this Messiah is going to come and he's going to bring grace. He is going to bring grace. And then just to double down real quick before we leave Matthew. We have Jacob who is the father of Joseph. And Joseph is the earthly father of Jesus. Not a biological father. And, and the Bible tells us he's the husband of Mary. But then those next couple words, by whom Jesus was born. And so that uh, configuration there just lets us know that it was, he's connecting Jesus through Mary there. And who is called the Messiah? He's the Messiah. And Matthew gives us this genealogical evidence that Christ is the Messiah. It's beautiful. Now, let's go over to Luke chapter 3. So we have the baptism of Jesus, where the Father affirms Jesus as his son. Uh, Jesus comes out of the water and the father says, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. Then Luke gives us a genealogy of Jesus. And you look at that and you go, well, that's nothing like the one we read in Matthew. And believe it or not, there, there are scholars who do not, they they don't understand what's going on here. They think that these two genealogies are in conflict. Most people have two grandparents. This is, this is Mary. This is the genealogy of Jesus through Mary. That's why it's different than the one Matthew gives. This is a beautiful genealogy. There, uh, as we mentioned, there are no women mentioned in this genealogy that connects Jesus back to David and all the way back to Adam and all the way back to God. 
Uh, there are no women mentioned, but this is the maternal line. So let's look at it. There's, there's some things here. Matthew gives us in order of ascent. He starts with David, starts with Abraham, and ascends to Jesus. This is a descent from Jesus to Adam, the son of God. Verse 23. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age. That's where we get that. Right there in Luke's genealogy. Being, now if you're Luke and you're writing a genealogy, how do you account for a virgin birth? Can you go look it up, how you account for virgin births in a genealogy? No, because it's never happened before. So this is the way he handles it, and it's beautiful. Look what he says. Being, as was supposed or as was thought, the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, or another spelling is Heli, or Heli, H-E-L-I. Very interesting. Well, who is this H-E-L-I? Who is this E-L-I? Who is that? Well, that's, that's his grandfather on his mother's side. Beautiful. The son of Mathot, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph. These names. We could go on. I'll say this. There's 11 sets of seven. There's 77 names in this genealogy. And so Luke takes us all the way, all the way back. I'm looking for David. There it is in verse 31. It's important. So Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, and Mary, Jesus' mom, both go back to David. Jesus through Joseph goes back to David through Solomon. Jesus through Mary goes back to David through Nathan. Right there it is. What is Luke trying to show us? He's trying to show us that Jesus is a natural descendant of David. Isn't that wonderful? Matthew says he's got a legal right to the throne. Luke says he's got a biological right to the throne. That is powerful. That is a, that is a double blessing. That is a double confirmation. He takes us on through. He says that this is through Nathan, the son of David. Last part of verse 31. The son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon. And then he goes, he doesn't stop with Abraham. Matthew started with Abraham there, but Luke takes us all the way back to Adam. And then he says, the son of God. So Adam was a created son of God. 
But it, he goes all the way back to God. So if you put the genealogies together, we have Matthew saying that he's son of Abraham, son of David. And we have Luke telling us that he is the son of David. He is the son of Adam, the son of man, and the son of God. Those things. So what's Luke's point? What, what is he wanting to drive home to us? He's showing us the scope of the ministry of salvation that the, that the Messiah brings to us. All the way back to Adam. In Adam, again, all die. But in Christ, all are made alive. And that's the point of Matthew's genealogy and Luke's genealogy. Now, we have one more place to go. I want to talk about this. Um, there's, uh, there's no salvation apart from Christ. I mean, why would the Messiah come? Why was he sent by the Father? Why did he come... From heaven to earth to be crucified on an old cross. Why did this king, why was he, why was he born of a virgin and placed in a manger? Why all that? Why all the trouble? Well, it's because the father once saved souls. This is the, this is a, this is a rescue operation planned and executed through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's, what's, that's what Christmas is all about. It's all about the Father's love for sinful humanity and then doing something about it. I don't know, have you ever met somebody? We hear, well, we live in a world like this. Everybody's got a bright idea about how to help. And that's a hoot. Well, God really did have a wonderful idea about how to help. And he actually got it done. Christ accomplished the mission that he came to accomplish by dying on that cross, shedding his perfect blood for sinners. And... And that relationship, that connection is made when we put our faith and trust in Christ. When we're born from above. And that's where we are. John chapter 1, verse 12. Well, 11, 12, and 13. This is where we'll end today, right here. Because really the question is, how do, we, how do we connect with the Messiah? How do we become part of his family? By the way, I'm really impressed with God because he had to have a Messiah that was powerful enough and strong enough and holy enough to save his own lineage. So right there it is. Uh, Verse 11, there, John 1. He came to his own. You know, you, 
you can take that one little phrase and just think about the coming of Jesus. Born of Mary. Growing up, presented in the temple. Growing up some more. Beginning his ministry. Reaching out to his own people, the Jews. Bringing wonders before their eyes. Multiplying loaves and fishes. Healing blind eyes. Making the lame to walk. Preaching the favorable year of the Lord. I'll tell you what, anytime you hear the name Jesus, it's the favorable year of the Lord. Such a precious name. So he came into his own, and he did. And those who were his own, meaning his own people, did not receive him, and they didn't. Jesus was betrayed, Jesus was denied, Jesus was crucified. They did not receive him. They wanted him gone, they wanted him in the grave. They did not receive him. And they put him on the cross and they eventually buried him. And the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He lives forevermore. That's, that's our testimony. That's the testimony of the Bible writers. That's the testimony that we stand on. Jesus Christ lives, and he's the only hope for a lost, sinful world. He's only, only hope for you, only hope for me. So he came to his own, and those who were his own, they did not receive him. But, that's, this is a glorious verse. As many as. Now, how many is that? Well, it's as many as. It's as many as the Father determines. As many as received him. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. To receive Jesus. What's that mean? To means to believe on him. It means to believe that he is the son of God, that he is the son of Abraham, the son of David. That he had the right to the throne of David through Joseph, his earthly father, and Mary, his biological mother. He has a right to that throne and he accomplished on earth what it would take for him to reign on that throne forever and ever by overcoming death and hell and the grave. So as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So this is how we connect with him. We connect with Jesus, our Savior, by receiving him. We receive him by faith. I receive him. I believe who he is, that he's the son of God. I believe what he has done and accomplished on earth. That I would receive the forgiveness of my sin and go to heaven when I die. 
That's what he's talking about. You can be in his family. And then he says this, and this is important. He says, even to those who believe in his name. And then he says this in verse 13, very plain, plainly spoken, who were born. The who there refers back to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood. So that means that we don't go to heaven just because we have an existence on earth. Just because I was born doesn't mean I have a right to heaven. So who were born not of blood, not of a natural birth, nor of the will of the flesh. You, you, you can't earn heaven because somebody else wills it. You can't make somebody be born again. You can't make someone be a part of the family of God. Nor of the will of man. But of God. Meaning this doesn't happen. This being a part of the family of God in Christ and through Christ and for Christ does not happen because of natural forces. It's a spiritual birth where we receive the truth. We see Christ for who he truly is. And we trust him. We trust him. If you've never trusted Christ, I pray today that spiritual light floods your soul and you trust Jesus. And then for those already in the family, what about that genealogy? I'd like to see a Christmas card with Matthew's genealogy on the front, Luke's on the back. And then a big Merry Christmas. Call if you have questions. <laughs> Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the time of year. We, we have this wonderful Savior, your gift to us, Jesus. God, your purposes started all the way back when the world was created, when you spoke it into existence. And through every part of, of history, Lord, you have moved and superintended. And, and out of all that, all that mess and all that sin in the past, somehow, in a way, God, that only you can explain, you brought us a Savior. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And that one day every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord and all to your glory. We pray in his name. Amen.